Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. I preach to you for a few moments today on this subject, majesty, mystery, and miracles. Majesty, mystery, and miracles. And when we look at these things and consider from our perspective, it's quite different than the disciples you heard as I read there, they did not really connect with what Jesus was saying. But we look back and, and we understand, we see that, yes, what the prophets said would happen, happened. The birth, the life, the death, even the burial, and of course the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So clearly detailed with prophecy and everything that God promised through his prophets came to pass. So we look at that and, and we rejoice and we read and hear that there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And that's not mysterious to us because we can say, oh no, I know who the lamb is. His name is Jesus. And we recognize the scripture says he's slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. We see those things. We read where he is worthy of blessing and honor and glory and power. And we understand that that only goes to Jesus Christ. Our perspective is so different with the benefit of being able to look back over time, to see the word, and of course to have a revelation that God gives us through his spirit. It helps us to be able to say with conviction and understanding there's no one like Jesus. I believe everyone, not just preachers, but those who have looked to the scripture and understood God's purpose are able to recognize, even through their own experience, yes, there's a Savior. His name is Jesus. and He's made a way in my life. And, and that's clear to me because of experience. Because I, I've read in the verse, in the verses, in the scriptures, and, and God has proven himself over and over to me that his word is true. Uh, there are people listening, and I myself could even testify of a time uh, and others of various times in their lives uh, where they needed uh, sickness uh, to be healed and, and deliverance to come and something to happen uh, that could only come by the power of God. And, and so when they testify, when we rejoice today, it is so clear to us because of God's word and because of our experience. Some would say today he's a way maker because he's made a way for them. Some would say today he's opened doors for me that I could not ever. 
never imagined. And no man could shut those doors because his word has been proven true in my life. There are people that today could say, I know he's alive because I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my heart. I know that his power works in my life. We are so blessed to not just have the word, but to have the benefit of our own experience. Jesus, in speaking to those that were listening, John chapter 7 records his words. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The apostle John goes on to write that he was speaking of the Holy Ghost. And yes, there are people in the audience today that can say, I know what it's like to repent of my sins, to be baptized in Jesus' name, and to know those sins have been washed away. But I also know what it's like to lift my hands, lift my voice, invite the Lord to fill me with his spirit, and to be able to say that verse is true. What the writer put there in the word of God is true. There can be rivers of living water flowing from your soul as the Spirit of God transforms your life. What a blessing to know Jesus for yourself and to God be the glory. There are those of us in this room and, and we understand. I'm just trying to clarify for you that, that we look at the disciples, their perspective was a little bit different. Ours is one not just of the word and of hearing of it, but exercising our faith and receiving the victories that God has promised. And I thank him that he keeps his promises in our lives. The Apostle John writes in 2 John chapter 2, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. Because I also want to say that as I have been describing today those experiences, I would never want anyone in the audience to feel like, oh, see, they believe that it's just them, or, or it's just a particular denomination, or, or a particular group of people, but I don't read that in the scripture. I read that the Savior did not die just for one group or one nationality or one segment of the population, but he made himself the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And so I can pronounce with all conviction the Holy Ghost, the promise of God, the delivering power of Jesus Christ. It is for everyone that wants to believe and wants to receive. And God will keep his promises. All of us struggling under the weight of sin, whether we knew it or not, we were separated from God. But Jesus Christ was the payment for our sins. That debt that we owed and that we could never pay, Jesus Christ paid that debt. And now every single individual can have a relationship with Almighty God. People are made right with God 
the writer says, when they believed that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And so we have that revelation and we move with that sense that God has been so good to us. Oh, would you thank him? I just lift my voice. I lift my hands. I honor him today because God has been so good to me. I would say and encourage you today, just trust the love of God. Trust the grace, the grace of God. Trust the plan that God has allowed to unfold and be declared through his word and then seen in the lives of people in every situation and in every circumstance. His plan, if I can say it to you this way, new life for every life, new life for every individual, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every nation, every language, every background, every experience. There is an opportunity for us to experience the glorious resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Would someone out there in the audience say amen, amen, and so receive and acknowledge God's plan and pursue it in your life. And I describe it today for the purpose of this message in this way. His majesty, his mystery, and his miracles. I say to you that you cannot have Jesus without his majesty. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Look with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There is just one prophet, and there are others that begin to paint a picture of this Messiah, and they begin to declare his majesty. And we understand that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The psalmist says in Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. I would declare unto you today, there is a King in heaven, and his name is Jesus. There is a commander-in-chief over all of heaven's armies and his name is Jesus. Why would that matter? Because in your heart and in your life there needs to be a place, the throne room if you will, of your very life and the King of Kings 
and the Lord of Lords needs to sit on the throne of your heart. Why would that matter? Because when we devote ourselves to become loyal subjects of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then comes his protection, his provision, his power, his authority. You don't want Jesus without his majesty. In fact, you want him to be Lord of every part of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Years ago, we used to sing, and the song was something along these lines. One of the lines, anyway, said, If he's not Lord of everything, then he is not Lord at all. I declare to you, if you want this king to come in and revolutionize your life for the better, then let him be Lord of everything. Let him be king. Let him receive your worship and your devotion. And then as you operate in life, you can really believe God is looking over my life. I belong to him. He is the Lord of my life. Whenever I go through circumstances and situations that seem overwhelming, I don't give up. I don't run away. I simply run to the strong tower that is the name of Jesus, my Lord and my King, to further illustrate his authority, his kingship and lordship. I quote what the Apostle Paul writes in reference to the crucifixion of Jesus. He says, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Everything the prophets wrote is true. And when they described a king that was coming, when they described a God that would robe himself in flesh and come and be Emmanuel, God with us, they were giving us a clue. If you want Jesus, then invite him to be Lord of your life. Invite him to sit on the throne of your heart. And when you operate that way, he will be the strong tower in your life. You cannot have Jesus without his majesty. But then what of his mystery? Because, of course, you cannot have Jesus without the mystery that he brings. The psalmist writes of things, the prophets write of things, even the New Testament church, the apostles write of things, and we begin to navigate by the revelation of Jesus Christ, the purpose of God. And certainly we are not experts that understand everything, but because he reveals himself to us, we begin to understand more and more and more. But yet he works in mystery sometimes. I believe you have probably experienced that. In one area of the mystery of Christ, we read the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy 3 and 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen of the Gentiles, 
He was seen of angels, rather, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Oh, the mystery of a God who has manifest himself in flesh. The Apostle Peter, in chapter 1 of his writings in 1 Peter, you can read as he begins to describe that even as the prophets were expressing these things, they did not always understand. In fact, the Apostle Peter makes this point that they were not even ministering unto themselves, but they were providing ministry for we that would come along. In verse number 12 of 1 Peter chapter 1, he says it just that way, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. And so we see this unfolding mystery and God's purpose is revealed through his spirit, through his work in the lives of individuals. Don't press against the mystery of God, the mystery of his nature, the mystery of his purpose. In fact, let him fill you with his spirit and begin to say, Lord, would you show me your will for my life? Would you lead me into all truth so that I can have everything that you desire me to have in my life? He wanted this people living in our time, of course, through the generations. But he did not want us wandering without the revelation and so what the prophets bring is true and the mystery of God unfolds. That's why I can say unto you, there's only one God. There's only one Father of all who is above all and in all and through you all. That's why I can say to you, the scripture declares it, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And I don't say that in a haughty way, but I say that to encourage you to recognize God is in the business of unpacking the mystery and revealing himself so that you can experience the power of Almighty God. Would you give the Lord praise and worship everything that we experience by way of the mystery of Jesus Christ. Don't push away and don't reject it just because you don't know how he does what he does. I would say to you, even if you don't know how, he does what he does. Let him have his way. The incarnation. Do you really know how he accomplished that? Oh yes, you read the verses. But do you really know how? The resurrection. Yes, we, we understand. We, we believe that it happened. But, but do you really know how? I want you to know there are some things that will remain a mystery even until we make it to heaven. But don't let the, the mystery keep you from receiving the Messiah. In fact, just because you don't know how he washes away your sins, don't let that stop you from repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus. Just because it's amazing to you how he can fill you with his spirit and allow you to speak in other tongues as the power of God 
God enables you. You may not know how, but don't resist it. Let the power of God change your life. You cannot have Jesus without his mystery. In fact, not only his life, not only his resurrection, not only his ascension, not only the way he operates in terms of his plan and his purpose, he doesn't explain everything to us, but also our hope of glory. For the apostle writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. Now here's a mystery you don't want to do without. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I'm just saying, I don't know exactly how all that's going to happen, but I do know the scripture says, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in me, it's going to quicken my mortal body. And when that moment happens, I'm getting ready to leave this world. I can't explain how, but I'm going to receive the promise of Almighty God. Don't reject the mystery of Jesus Christ. You cannot have him without having the mystery. Trust him, believe him, and let him have his way in your life. His majesty, his mystery, and what of his miracles. You cannot have Jesus. And oh, aren't we thankful. If you're going to have Jesus, you're going to have his miracle working power. From turning the water into wine to raising Lazarus from the dead. Excuse me, from the dead. You can't have Jesus without his miracle working power. Jesus can do anything. There's all power in heaven and earth attached to his name. So when we call on the name of Jesus, I don't know how to explain it to you. It is truly something beyond my ability to comprehend. But I am so certain because of his word and because of my experience. When we pray for the sick in Jesus' name, he heals the sick. When we pray for the troubled in Jesus' name, he takes care of their lives, their hearts, their minds. He comforts them. I'm so grateful for every miracle that Jesus Christ has allowed me to experience in my own life and certainly what I have observed in the lives of other people. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled 
in your ears. In other words, if you have Jesus, then you also have the revelation of his power. He heals the sick. He touches those with blind eyes and delivers them from their blindness. He healed the lepers. He healed the lame. He helped those with all kinds of infirmities. In fact, those that were demon-possessed, he even delivered them. And even as his power was being manifest, at one point John the Baptist sins and he wants a confirmation of the work of God. And so Jesus tells his disciples, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, that the lame walk, that the lepers are cleansed, that the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Those who do not stumble in their faith because of me are blessed. If you can just put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a blessing coming. If you can trust him and believe him for your healing, there's a healing coming. If you can trust him and believe him for your deliverance, there's a deliverance coming. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've seen it. I've experienced it. And God's word cannot lie. He will make a way. Would you give him glory? Would you give him honor? Would you praise and bless his holy name? There's nobody like Jesus. We need to be willing to call on his name. We need to be willing to trust that the Savior that has proven that he will heal and deliver is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. If we have Jesus, we will have miracles. If we have Jesus, we will have the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Don't let unbelief stop you from experiencing the miracle power of Jesus Christ. And I put on the screen for you to look at for just a moment in conclusion. The two ladies in the picture were outside of a hospital in New York City this past week and they were crying because one of the ladies' husbands was in the ER suffering from the coronavirus. An apostolic believer who worked there at the hospital and had access to uh, the rooms and the areas and, and he, he was able to go and, and interact even with the patients. Uh, he had talked to them and seen them where they were on the outside of the hospital and became aware of the situation. And so he went to that man. He testified, I could not allow him to die in front of me. And so he laid his hand upon that man. I'm sure he took all the protocol and handled things the right way. I'm sure that that's the case. But he began to pray. In fact, the way the scripture describes it is what he did. He anointed the man with oil and he began to pray. And God touched that man. Several hours later, when he went back to the room to check on him, 
he was no longer coughing and he wasn't on the ventilator and he was improving dramatically and the man said to the believer that had prayed for him he said when nobody else would touch me or come close to me he said Jesus came close to me and Jesus healed my body I'm excited right now and maybe it seems extreme but I want to give you something that you should place in your heart and hold it there and nurture it with faith you will not have Jesus and have a Jesus that doesn't heal and deliver and set free if you believe him for miracles you will see miracles and his power will work let's give him praise let's give him praise let's believe him you say how can you say that pastor have you ever prayed for someone and they were not healed yes that's true I have but why should I let that limit my faith my faith is not in myself it's in Jesus Christ we're getting ready to pray yes I prayed for people and they were healed and they were delivered and they were set free but you don't even need my prayer to bring you what you need you just need faith in Jesus Christ you can call on him and say Jesus would you forgive my sins and he'll forgive your sins you can call on him and say Jesus would you heal my body would you make a way for my family would you give us what we need and he will answer your prayer if you pray in faith, believing and calling on the name of Jesus. I say to you, you can't have Jesus and not have his miracle working power. Put your faith in him. We're going to pray. We'll just let the music play for a little while and, and we'll just leave you in that room where you are with your family. We'll start with repentance. It'd be good for everybody to simply say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart. I want your will to be accomplished in my life. Right there, as you pray that sincerely, Jesus will forgive you. He hears your prayer. And the word of God makes it clear. If we confess our sins, not to a preacher, but to Jesus Christ, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Let's thank him. Let's thank him. Let's thank him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for forgiving my sins. I thank you for forgiving my sins. I praise you for your mercy and your blessing in my life.